Hey there, I'm Mike. Some of you know me from the Twisted Cape. Some of you know me because I've been blasting and laughing so long that even my mama thinks that my mind is gone. But I never crossed a man who didn't deserve it. Me be treated like a punk? You know that's unheard of. But regardless of how you know me, you know I love comics. And that's what we talk about on this podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Mike's Big Stack. Oh, hell yeah, everyone. Welcome to the show. Recording this week in Thickness City. I've got a great show for you this week featuring a special guest and a dear friend of mine to talk X-Men Executioner Song. Uh, This will be the last of the full retrospective shows only, uh, but there's an announcement about that at the end of the episode. So as always, we start by rating the thickness of my stack. So let's ease on down the road to Mike's Thickometer. Oh yeah, Mike's Thickometer. Alright, so this is a big week, so we will go a full-on 8 out of 10. That's real thick. Uh, It's pretty thick. I like it that thick. It's real good. Alright, so this week we are going to go ahead and start with uh, DC, uh, because the interview will encompass one of the Marvel titles. Uh, So we'll start this week with Omega Men from DC. Uh, so this is a 2015 series. Uh, this uh, the synopsis is basically the Omega Men are back in a new series. They've worded, worded. <laughs> I know words. They've murdered White Lantern Kyle Rayner, and now the universe wants them to pay. Who are these intergalactic criminals? And is there more to their actions than meets the eye? Uh, so I'm gonna go up, kind of give you the score straight up. Uh, I thought it was a four out of five. Uh, I thought it was very good. Um, I I enjoy big galactic stories, and of course, if you've been listening to the show since we started doing these lookbacks, you know that I enjoy uh, Kyle Rayner, as he's my favorite Green Lantern, Um, eventually White Lantern. He's a a special dude. and this story is is interesting. At first, in like the first like two, three issues, like two and a half issues, I'll say, I actually really was like, oh man, I might actually hate this story. It's kind of irritating. And I didn't like it then. And then uh, a, a flip got a switch got flipped in episode in episode in issue three, and I really really started to enjoy the series. Um, I. I you know, sometimes Tom King, I feel like his work can be hit or miss. This is largely hit. Uh, the reason it scored so high is because of the story. Um, you know, you get a whole lot of, of concepts of uh, political nature, religious aspects, uh, what what makes people who they actually are, which is which is cool uh, as a, as an introspective thing about a lot of these characters. Uh, I did not love the art in this. Uh, the art was just kind of off at times. Like, I like the style, but I don't think it was right for this book, uh, if that makes sense. Um, like, also, they, they like, made Kyle... I'm pretty sure Kyle Rayner is um, is Irish, and they made him, like, like Spanish, and he's, like, speaking Spanish in, in, the, in the book uh as he's like praying and stuff and that's kind of weird to me also it leaves everything in a really ambiguous place which i think tom king likes to do uh but it was uh 
Like, I didn't know what was going to happen next, and my mind just wandered with it, which I guess achieved its goal because I was really thinking about it uh, after I finished reading it, and um, it was fun. It was a really good, easy, breezy read. Um, lots of aliens, lots of cool-looking stuff. And like, like I said, the, the art uh, was cool at times, but at times I was just like, oh, style doesn't really fit. All right, uh... Alex, my guest uh, from What's Your Spaghetti Policy last time, warned me about this next book, uh, but uh, damn it, I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, Batman and Superman versus Aliens and Predators. So here is the synopsis. A Predator ship landed on Earth and could not leave because of, could not escape because of its gravitational pull. The Predators landed in a then-dormant volcano. Now, in our modern time, a mountain-climbing crew has gone missing in the Andes. Uh, Batman becomes the emissary of Superman, whom the Predators believe to be a sun spirit through a show of strength. Uh, they decide to help the Predators leave Earth for good, for the good of themselves and the planet. Um, again, I'm going to go ahead and leave with the story, with the score here. This thing was a one. It was just, it was two issues... It was not really great. I mean, at times the art's kind of cool uh, to make it a saving grace, but the rest of it, man, just Jesus, what a slog. Like, I didn't think I could possibly say that about two issues. About two issues. It was bad. And it should have been far cooler. And it's a crossover between Image and DC. And I get, like, the editorial staff and, like, you know, determining the, the play of the story, you know, whatever. It's from... 2007 so i maybe should forgive it a little bit one it's getting a one and it's staying at the one it should be lower uh if not for the fact that i love the characters uh up front like I, like it just got the characterizations wrong at times it looked bad it looked like uh, it was it was like a really low budget movie but but art it, it was like i just i really did not enjoy that and like i said it's only two issues for no reason to, should something two issues have felt so terrible to read uh, it was not good it's not good uh <laughs> so yeah if you ever decide to read it feel free just know that it's it's possibly a waste of time. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Moving over to the Marvel side of things. Uh, the first book that I did here was Fantastic Four Forever. F-O-U-R-E-V-E-R. Uh -huh. Very, very funny. Um, I so again, I'll start with the with the synopsis here. The wait is over. The the thing, the Human Torch, the Invisible Woman, and Mister Fantastic, the first four heroes of the Marvel Age of Comics, are about to be reunited. Experience the grand return of the greatest family in the Marvel universe as an event occurs that will radically alter the Fantastic Four. Reed and Sue Richards return home with their children, but things have changed. And while Alicia Masters and the Thing ponder a big change of their own, the next chapter begins in the life of Victor Von Doom. Um, Plus, who are Marvel Universe's new fabulous force in the Fantastics? How did they come to the possession of the Baxter Building? I know I gave that a super hammy read. I don't care. Uh, so the score for this is a four. Yes, Fantastic Four forever got a four out of five. Uh, I really love this story, and uh, it's because I have a soft spot in my heart for the Fantastic Four. Uh, and I, I love big adventures that center on characters who are very relatable. Um, the first issue is really about the struggle about um, Johnny and Ben trying to move forward with their lives. Um, 
Ben proposes to Alicia, which is that change that's alluded to early on. Uh, she accepts. He doesn't even get the question out, which is great. Uh, and then Ben goes to ask Johnny to be his best man. Uh, Johnny says no, and it leads to him having a breakdown because he, he comes back to them and realizes that, you know, it's true that Reed and Sue are gone and the kids are gone. And then they, get, they see a message in the sky, uh, which is just a giant number four. Next issue basically shows what Reed and Sue and the Future Foundation have been doing, creating universes and introduces to the villain, the Griever. Um, to me, it just kind of seemed like a plot device. Um, super powerful, but not as powerful as she could have been. Uh, so that that four is meant to summon everyone who's ever been in the Fantastic Four, which it does. Third issue is basically them fighting the Griever and and her being outmaneuvered by Reed Richards, which is great. And they all they all go back. Um, fourth issue is uh, meeting the Fantastics and their staged uh, coming out party. Uh, spoilers. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's a fun story, but it, it shows how, you know, times evolve and things can't always stay the same. Uh, the Fantastic Four moves on to Yancey Street, to 4 Yancey Street. Yes, that's the fifth time we've said number four on this show today. Uh, <laughs> uh, so they they uh, move in there and Reed thinks about some, some ways of expanding the building. Um, and I just, I just love the story. I mean, the Fantastic Four have so much heart to me. Um, from 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 Reed and Sue, their relationship, which is which is sometimes hilarious. There's a there's an excellent Namor dig that Sue gets in at Reed, uh, saying sometimes he's not so smart. He'll take takes him a second to get things. Uh, to um, Johnny and Ben and and how they have a like a sibling type relationship and then when they all get together again there's a moment that's been building for like honestly like 6 years and in, when it happens it feels so good um, it's so natural uh, you lo- just love the fantastic four really really do um, all right so when we get back uh, i will have an interview with my good friend and x-men uh, aficionado michael jenkinson Hey friends, hope you're enjoying Mike's Thick Stack this week. Just wanted to let you know that if you're not already, subscribe to the Twistcast. It's a really good time and a really fun show. We talk about the news of the week, we also get into some silly hijinks, and talk about some pretty cool topics. Also, if you're already subscribed and listening, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser, which is a pretty sweet platform for podcasts like ours. We look forward to hearing your feedback and talking to you more in the future. Thanks, and now back to the show. And we're back. Uh, so for this week on a Seven Minutes in Heaven interview, I have the distinct pleasure of talking to author of the Realm series, Michael Jenkinson, about X-Men Executioner's Song. Michael, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. How you doing? Good. It's an honor. Yeah, of course. Uh, no, the honor The honor is clearly mine. <laughs> Uh, good to talk to you, bud. So, uh, real quick, do you want to go ahead and talk about uh, your series? Just, you know, finishing up um, what I hope are close to final revisions um, on my Realm series. And, uh, you know, hope to have that out in some kind of digital form by the end of the year. Nice, nice. Uh, what's it about? 
it's a fantasy story, but it's much less about monsters and magic as it is more like political fantasy. So, um, oh, yeah, I'm hoping to, you know, get people interested in something like that. So, cool, cool. I look forward to it. All right, so we are talking about Executioner's Song, uh, one of your favorite stories. Uh, in case you don't know, I, I always ask my guests what they want to talk about because it's not fun for me to just be like, yeah, you're talking about this bitch. Uh, so uh, so we're talking about Executioner's Song, uh, which I recently reread, which is great. Uh, so is is a giant X-Men crossover event, runs through four different titles. Um, so throughout it, uh, there's an assassination on Charles Xavier, um, X-Men, X-Force, X-Factor. They all basically go to war with one another. Um, and there's, there, there's, there's, it's so layered. It's going to be really difficult to talk about in seven minutes, but we're going to do our damnedest. Uh, and there's a lot to do with Cable and his doppelganger strife. Uh, is that good enough? Is that good enough? Summary? Yeah, that's good. All right, cool, cool, cool. All right. Uh, are you ready to get this thing moving? Let's, let's do it. All right, timer starts. When I finish this first question here, uh, I think it's important to start with an art. Uh, do you think the art in the story enhances or detracts from the story? Totally enhances, in my opinion. So Okay. Um, and I can dive into that. I think the art's really cool, but I can see how it would bother some people. So like you said, it's a 12-part crossover, and um, but it's four different comics, so it's um, X-Men, Uncanny X-Men, X-Factor, and X-Force. And yes. there's a definitive style to everybody drawing it. So it's not yes. going to be something like, um, um, you know, one of the it's other It's not like stories. stuff now where it's like just a consistent, like, one artist all the way through. Right. Like, it's jumping all over the place, which I think is really cool. So timing-wise, this takes – this happens right after – two issues after Jim Lee's legendary run. Jim Lee's the GOAT, by yeah. the way, in my opinion, my personal opinion, the greatest comic book artist of all time, right after his incredible run on the X-Men. And so it's like, and X-Men was the big thing back then. Like people might back right now might not realize, you know, it wasn't Avengers. It was basically Spider-Man and X-Men were like yep. right there. And this was right after the image, um, you know, everybody jumped from image, McFarlane, Jim Lee, Rob Liefeld, they all jumped to image. And so this was like a big deal for the X books, and they gave the reins to Andy Kubert on their money book. Yeah, I love Andy Kubert. Um, you know, very. Um, you know, he he comes from the Kubert family, which is there's like his Adam and his Andy and his dad, like the whole thing. Uh, I'm a big fan it's of a his. Dynasty. Uncanny's drawn by Brandon Peterson, who I would call like a very solid hand. You know, like you're never yeah. going to be like blown away by Brandon Peterson, but he, you know, he just. He draws a comic book, you know, and you know what you're getting. Um, X-Force was drawn by Greg Capullo, which was um, McFarlane's, like, right-hand man. He eventually takes over coloring Spawn or, 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 you know, pencils on Spawn. Um, You know, big eyes, color, you know, like, very – I mean, he's he's no – he's not Todd McFarlane, but it's, like, a McFarlane style. Yeah, Um, yeah. He's done a lot of really awesome stuff that I've actually talked about a lot on this show. Yeah. and so, and like I said, yeah, he soon, not that long after this, he follows um, McFarlane over to uh, Spawn. And then the one that's probably the most memorable from this series is Jay Lee. And he's yes. um, somebody that I really, really like, but I can totally see why some people don't. He has like a very grim, dark style, lots of shadows, and uh, 
Oh, Some... but there's there's a couple of panels specifically I remember that were just so badass because of the use of shadow. Yeah. I think there's one with like Wolverine and it's just eyes and claws, and I'm like, man, that's so cool. And that's, that's so what cool. He does best. And like like if you just wanted somebody to draw a car, like you would not hire Jay Lee. Like as soon as you look at Jay Lee, you know it's Jay Lee. It's very stylistic. Um and he and, you know, and, and this was a big deal for him too. I mean, not that X Factor was as big a book as the other X books, but he had just finished a run on like Submariner and jumped right <laughs> into X Factor, which was a big deal for him. And, um, you know, so it's like a lot of uh, non traditional curves and things of that nature. And um, like a lot of the faces kind of look the same under Jay Lee. Um, but that's, you know, to me, that's not necessarily, you know, you don't go to art school and look at Jay Lee. But um he definitely brings a style i think he, he would be cool in like like a morbius book or a moon knight book you know that's probably yeah. where he belongs more than like a flashy um team book but it really worked for me and and so this the whole series the artwork i think is just cool because you're seeing this contrast like every issue you get the traditional brandon peterson you get the colorful capolo and then you get the the grim dark uh odd angles of jay lee so you know, I, I give it a hundred percent on the art. Cool. So we've burnt like half our time here talking <laughs> about art, which is awesome. I love it. I don't care. I'm only going to get two questions in and I'm all Sorry. right with that. Uh, no, don't, don't apologize at all. Uh, so this is your favorite story. You told me. I mean, part of it's emotional because I picked up, so I was going down to my local home book store reading Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and GI Joe books. And then I saw yeah. these X-Men covers and I was like, let me give this a try. And then I went right from that to this huge mega crossover. Like that, that was like me jumping into superhero comics. So it always That's has a fantastic. soft place in my heart. So I, I love it. So tell, so tell people why it's your favorite story. What you love the most about it. I love that it's a crossover that keeps going somewhere. You know, like there's some of these like uh, yep. Maximum Carnage and, um, you know, some of these, um, you know, classic crossovers. But they're kind of like, hey, battle repeat, battle repeat. Um, but this one, the story's always evolving. The characters are always interchanging. Like, there's a reason yep. it's a crossover, you know, because the the X Men think that it's Cable that killed, um, uh, that, 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 killed that assassinated Xavier, and so they have to go like hunt down um, the X Force guys. So it wasn't like, hey, here's this big threat. Let's all get together. No, there was a reason for it. X Factor was like a government liaison team. Yep. And so they had to represent, you know, because Xavier was a very public figure. So they had their their own side that they were representing. So I thought it was just really cool that it was like everybody had a reason to be there and it was all moving forward in the, in the right direction the whole time, getting to a conclusion. There's no good, good. wasted issues, which happens a lot. In I, servers, in I completely opinion. agree. I completely agree. Um, so what is your favorite moment from the series? Cause there's, there's a couple of really just awesome, awesome moments. Um, but it's difficult for me to pick a favorite. What's your favorite? We've got a minute left, so I'm going to try and get one more in after um, So if I had to pick one moment, it's probably as we get close to the end. I personally like um, villains with like some depth. you know. Yeah. And you can totally understand, as crazy as he is, you can totally understand why Strife is so upset. You know, He feels abandoned. And near the, right near the end of the book, you know, he just hates Scott and Gene and, and Cable. And that right near the end, they're just like we can still work this out. We can still be your family. And he has like a moment of doubt. He's like, no, 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 that's not possible. Is it, is it? And he like, 
can I really conquer my hate in this moment after everything I've done? And he can't. Um, no, he can't. But it's cool that like that he has that moment of reflection, like, and it leads to his destruction. Eventually. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, no, he, just... he just he can't get over it. I mean, Strife is like one of those like overdone. A lot of people think he's like overdone '90s villains, and maybe his costume is. I think it's awesome, but I get why people say that. But I think the character is so layered, and his justification for things is really cool. And I would have liked to have seen him become a bigger part of the X universe moving forward. Nice. All right, uh, last question here. We're going to run into overtime, and I'm fine with that. It doesn't matter to me because uh, it's my show, and I can do what I want. Uh, so what do you think about how the creative team handled this? Because it is a big, big-ass crossover. Um, do you think they were well enough equipped to effectively and completely tell the story here? I do. I mean, this, this, was, um, you know, this was Peter David writing X Factor. Which is kind of weird. I mean, he's like loaned for Hulk. He's like a legend. And he probably was like, really? Like, you know, it was Fabian Nisiege and Scott Lobdell who became pretty big names, but they weren't at the time. No, they weren't. And for Peter David to come in and totally just be like, yeah, I'll work with you guys. I'll make this work. And I thought the story worked. I mean, there's always a difference in, in, in writing styles, but. There wasn't like a big like what what that was a big turn you know from from the X Factor stories to the X Force stories and you know like that so yeah yeah I I did enjoy it I enjoyed it um, all right uh, thanks Mike so much for joining us thanks Mike uh, as as we wrap up here I uh, just want to let everybody know that next time you hear this show. Uh, we will be back to doing weekly comics because I now have access to a comic book store. Woohoo! Um, so, of course, make sure you subscribe to the Twisted Cape on all your on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, we're at the Twisted Cape No Spaces on every social media platform: Facebook, the Gram, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, make sure you drop us a review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. We love getting that feedback. Or you can shoot us uh, an email at uh, thetwistedcape at gmail.com and use the subject line MTS. Uh, So thanks for tuning in, and until next time, you better watch how you're talking and where you're walking, or you and your homies might be landing chalk. Stay safe, stay twisted. Fix that.